0: Today I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the seven greatest hindrances to healing and uh, the Lord's been dealing with me about this we haven't just had a healing theme lately the Lord seems to keep bringing this up to me you know sometimes there are seasons where he'll emphasize something pay attention when he does that because yeah. you might think well I don't need that right now and great but I, you very well may need it at some point in the future yeah. you know and I'm sure you've needed it in the past maybe you need it right now But I just he he keeps bringing this. So we just had on the radio. We did. uh, We've done three, four weeks almost in a row on healing, and of course with our Good Friday service, and then leading up to that service. But I just uh, he prompted me. He said uh, the Lord prompted me last week in preparation for this week. He said he said to me, "Did you remember that sermon that you did?" I had to look it up. I didn't even remember when it was. I knew it was recently, but on February thirteenth, it was a Sunday. I taught. Uh, Basically, I took Pastor Nancy's book, Causes, I added some of my own material to it, and I gave 25 reasons why people's faith are hindered. We called it hindrances to faith. And we gave those 25 reasons, and I felt the Lord prompt me, and he said, Now now take all of those those things and put them in categories, because nobody's going to remember 25 things. And they're all jumbled up, like there's no rhyme or reason. We just kind of, just like a shotgun, we just blew you away. But I just felt the Lord say, I want, you to, I want you to take that list and I want you to narrow it and categorize it into, into he didn't tell me seven, it's just that I f- could only find seven. It's not that I'm trying to do the number seven, but it's one day a week for you. So you can remember one day a week, it's nice and easy to remember. But there, but there are seven basic categories that all of those things fit into and there's repeats and there's overlaps and there's different things like that. But there's seven basic reasons why people don't get healed. And and, and I I I want you to listen because at some point in your life you're gonna face something. Maybe you're facing something right now. Maybe you're in a hiatus of victory and you're just on the mountaintop and everything's great, but I'm telling you, everybody faces things. And sometimes they come on very suddenly and you're not expecting something to go wrong with your body. But all of a sudden, something you know a lot of people tell me they're fine for one minute, and the next minute they've got a major issue. Yeah. And it can come on very suddenly. And so I really think that because 1 John first uh, John th- uh, what is it? First John three, First John three, two. I can't remember. third, John two. I knew there was a thir- first and a third and something a two, and there were third John verse two, because it's only one chapter. Remember, it says, "I wish above all things. The most important, that's another one translation says, the most important thing to me, says God. The most important thing to me is that you're healthy and you live long and you have prosperity. You're healthy and you live long with prosperity because you can have prosperity. But if you don't have health, not just in your body, but your mind, peace in your mind, and you can have all the great peace and and your body is strong, but you're broke. Right, Uh, you got to have both those things working for you to really enjoy your life. And God's saying, the thing I care about most, the most important thing to me, is that you are happy, prospered, and that you're healthy and live long. So God is really um, interested in this, and so He He doesn't want His people being sick. And and listen, there could be big things, but there could be little things. There could be just little things that are nagging you. Do you know what I'm saying? A little bit of high blood pressure. A little, bit of, a little bit of skin rash, a little bit of problems in your joints, a little bit of arthritis, a little bit of hair loss, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I'm telling you, uh, as believers, <laughs> a lot of times we're just happy we're not dying of cancer. And, and we kind of ignore a lot of the other things because we can live with them. We can live with them. It's not a big deal. we got so much pressure on us. Who cares about that? And I understand, I believe me, I understand why people think that way, but eventually when things may be, you, you know, your faith isn't as, you know, you, you're dealing with a lot of battlefronts, right? But sometimes after you've got some victories and you got a little bit of, you know what I mean when I say that, you've got a little bit of extra time to focus on things, you've got a bit of extra faith kind of in your bank, because your faith is not inexhaustible. It, 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 you are spending it, whether you realize it or not, and there's a limit to it based on how much you've developed. And even the great Kenneth Hagin had spent his faith so much that when his wife wanted curtains for the kitchen, he said, Aretha, if you want those curtains, you believe for them yourself. Because if I put my faith on one more thing, this whole thing is going to crash down. And well, that's the faith titan speaking, so I think we should pay attention to him. Your faith does have limits. It is not inexhaustible. You can't just spend it constantly on everything around you and expect it always just to get. It does get refilled, but you, it only gets refilled if you're in the word. If you're in the word and if you're praying in the Holy Ghost, then it's getting refilled. But you've got to keep expending it daily on certain things till you get victory. Some things are just not as important. Let me be honest with you. Why did Kenneth Hagin, I'm just going to kind of flow tonight, but why did Kenneth Hagin say at one time, God said to him, if you don't get Aretha to get that goiter removed by the doctor, a surgery, she's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. This is Kenneth Hagin. Yeah. This is the great faith man going to get surgery from the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if he had, now listen, because I'm trying to help you. If he had been bulldog, no, oh, my covenant says this, Jesus provided it at the cross she'd be dead. But you also need that bulldog faith that says Jesus is provided at the cross. Then another occasion, she had another goiter, and the Lord said, if she gets the surgery, she will die. Use your faith. Two opposite examples, opposite instructions, both in the category of healing, both in that case for his wife. And so... We ask ourselves, why would God do it like that? Why would sometimes the instruction be medical and sometimes the instruction be anti medical? And, and, I, and, I, and I've, pro- I've spent a lot of time talking to Pastor Nancy, praying, seeking God, asking God, reading his books, and just waiting on the Holy Ghost to help define things. Because sometimes people can't define things for you. You really need God to define it for you. And what the Holy Ghost said to me is this Are you, are you ready? Because this, I believe, will help you because this is how I live my life. He said, the baseline, you always must have a baseline of aggressive faith. Jesus took it. My covenant provides it. It's mine. It's enough for any disease and sickness. And I lay hold of it. In Jesus' name, I'm healed. You always have that as your base. Because people that don't, they'll get taken out. But there is one thing that supersedes even your bulldog faith. And that is the unction and leading of the spirit. Amen. So you've got this baseline of aggressive faith, but you're always got something in the back pocket, so to speak, something that's, that's on the radar, so to speak, that can supersede everything. And that is if the spirit of God who knows everything far more than you'll ever know, he knows you better than you know you. If he says to you, I want you to do it this way instead this time. Do not take that as that is now the instruction every time. That is the instruction this time. But what is the instruction automatically every time? What do you do when there is no leading of the spirit? You believe in bulldog faith. That is always the instruction. The covenant is always enough. Only if he interrupts, if he intercedes, if he gets and says, in this situation, and you may not understand why, because I may not explain it to you. But in this situation, I want you to do this with medical help. You better listen. Because he is not anti-covenant. He's God. The spirit, the water, and the blood agree. The Holy Ghost and the word and the covenant are one. The Holy Ghost sometimes leads people ways that seems contradictory to their healing covenant. But it's not because he sees what you don't see. And I believe a lot of the times, Jennifer, I wasn't going to share all this, but I believe a lot of the reasons why, not every time, I'm just saying, I think one of the main reasons why the Holy Ghost sometimes leads this way is because he sees what you don't see. You're on the parade ground and you're seeing it coming like this. You can only see that block there to that block there. But the parade goes way on yonder and the parade goes way on yonder that way. You can't see beyond what you're... But the Holy Ghost is on top of the roof. And he's looking down, you're on the ground floor, and he sees where it starts, and he sees where it ends, and he sees everything in the middle, and you only see this, but he sees everything. And I believe that he knows at times that there are so many things that our faith is on. And he knows, he's a master organizer and categorizer, if I could put it that way. He knows if you put all your faith, are you listening? If you put all your faith, which is only a limited amount, it's growing, but that's based on your life in the Word and the Spirit. If you use everything you've got for this sickness here, yes, your faith can do it. But because it's not inexhaustible, there's nothing left in the faith tank to deal with this problem over here. And if this problem doesn't get solved, it's a domino effect that six months later, you're going to have this problem over here. But the medical science can correct. You'll get the same result using your faith for healing or medical over here. But right now, medical science can't help you with this battle over here. And if you don't deal with this, it's going to morph and mushroom into something massive. And you're going to be in big trouble, whereas you don't have enough faith for both. So why don't you just go to the doctor and do this? Because I need you to focus here because I'm trying to avoid this down in your life six years there. But it's not that your faith can't handle that. It's that the volume and the measure you have can't handle that and that. And if that don't get dealt with, there may not be some kind of help available in the natural realm. Sometimes faith is the only thing that can turn things. Whereas in the medical realm, there's often a lot of help available. I believe that at times, because Bad Hagen had great faith. But there were times where his faith had reached its zenith. And if he had put all his faith in one, others would have suffered. Or the problem was too great for his faith. And so God was saying in this situation, you're, you're, you're spread thin. Like too much bread and not enough butter. Too much need and not enough faith. So son, I've, thank God you live, in a, you live in a society where there is medical science. Because many societies and generations before, they didn't have it. So go ahead and use it. That's why I love the balance that Dr. Dufresne brought the body of Christ. Because he always said God is not displeased with the application of medicine. He is displeased when there's no application of faith. Use your faith with the medicine until you don't need the medicine anymore. Are you with me? I don't know why I'm saying that, because that wasn't really part of my notes. But, but a lot of people, they have to understand, you're not failing if the Holy Ghost guides you to medical help. But if he's not guiding you, you should toughen up, pull your socks up, polish your brass, and use your faith. Because your baseline should not be, that's only if he intervenes and says, go here. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. But as far as I'm concerned, there is no medical science. I'm using my faith. Are you with me? Now, when I say medical science, I'm not talking about natural things. If you're, if you understand what I'm saying, maybe it's a blurry line. But if you've got deficiencies in vitamins and certain minerals and certain things are deficient, you know what I'm saying? That's not really a chemical like you're on some kind of drug. That's my quote I kind of look at as medical, where it's something synthetic that they are involving themselves you know on you but your body needs certain things and health needs certain things and if you're deficient in certain things You may need a medical practitioner to tell you that you're that you need to up it in certain areas Naturally, right. is that medical science or not? Well, I guess it is medical science, but in other ways. It's just natural yeah. So I don't know how you want to look at that But my, my point is is that if you need help get the help, but even with the help even with the vitamins yes. yeah, sure. yeah. even with the supplements yeah. You better be using your faith. They don't replace your faith. Dr. Frank said this all the time. He said, I see people, they're popping vitamins, and they're eating buckets of of broccoli, he would say, and they're still dying. Why? Because they're using, putting faith in the food and the supplement more than the blood of Jesus on the cross. Nothing wrong with taking the supplements. Do it, especially if the Lord prompts you to. And if he doesn't prompt you, you've got common sense. If your body needs iron and the blood test says there's no iron, you don't need the Holy Ghost to lead you to get iron. I'm exhausted. I can't, you know, I can't function. But Lord, do you want me to sleep? It's common sense to sleep. It's common sense to have proper healthy nutrition. You don't need the Lord to lead you in that. Do you know what I'm saying? You just do what's common sense. But if you are now going past the common sense realm into medical aid, that's fine. But make sure that you're always got that bulldog faith for your covenant of Eden. Jesus didn't hang on that cross for you to run off to the doctor for every little thing. You know, there's a balance here, Jenny. There's a ditch on either side. There's some people that don't want anything to do with doctors and anything to do with medical help. And that's not necessarily needed. That, that's a ditch. There's other people that every little thing, every little thing, they're on the, door, on the phone with their doctor. Or they're Or they're looking up something. That's a ditch. That's actually a spirit of fear. That's a root of fear. And that's a ditch as well. You've got to be in the middle of the road where your mainstay is the cross of my covenant and Jesus hung and he took it. And I'm not standing before him, looking at him and saying, you paid an awful price and I didn't take advantage of it because I had a great doctor. No, you are my great physician and I'm taking advantage of everything you hung on that cross for. That's the middle. But if the Holy Ghost leads me or if common sense dictates... I'm going to get some natural help. I'm going to get some medical help if he prompts me and leads me because he knows where I'm at in this battle. He knows my measure. He knows what's coming. He knows how much I'm extending my faith. He knows the domino effect on other things that maybe I need to just focus my faith there because this area I can solve with some medical help here. So don't be condemned and guilty. Be led by the Spirit. Everything you've got to be led by the Spirit. Have a foundation of great strength in your covenant. The word of God, faith in the word of God. That is how we live. We are faith people. But please, for goodness sakes, have common sense and listen to the Holy Ghost. Because he knows a lot more than you do. Praise God. There is obedience required in the covenant. Remember, the Lord says, if you obey. Constantly. If you obey what I've told you to do, if you read in Deuteronomy, he's constantly saying, If you hearken to the voice of my covenant, if you uh, okay. deserve to do according to all that is written therein, then, like Joshua, said, then I'll make you a prosperous and never But, you know, Deuteronomy 28, 1, he said the same thing. If you'll just obey me, I'll put you on the high places of the earth. He's constantly saying, Just obey. Yeah. Do the right thing, and I'm going to watch what I do for you. But notice he always puts it on you first. You obey. Yeah. So these are obedience issues in seven basic categories. I don't know if I'll get, because the seventh category, i am kind of got a, a little extra bonus for the second category, which is very important. I've been teaching it on the radio lately. I don't know if I'll have time to do it tonight, but maybe we'll pick it up next time if I don't, because it's so important that people hear the bonus of, of number seven. But let me just give you the basics here, because everything I taught on February 13th, all 25 categories, I'm dividing into these seven. These, this, this is why people are sick but this applies to finances too. It really applies to anything that you're receiving from God. I'm just emphasizing sickness, especially. Okay, are you ready? Then the first one, and this is in no particular order, is uh, is sin. Sin, sin means doing bad things. (laughs) Things that you shouldn't do. So for example, in one of the categories before, we talked about worry, that's a sin fear unbelief that's a sin not having peace that's a sin what about other kind of things like uh, judging yourself because you are you know you're you're looking at things you shouldn't are you with me Uh, remember he said judge yourself lest you be judged so you don't have to open the door if you just take care of it but that takes humility because you've got to admit that you're wrong a lot of people are too proud to do it. Remember, uh, Jesus said, I give you space, Revelations 2, 5, uh, and, and verse 21, I give you space to repent, but repent quickly. Yeah. Or this is going to come. Remember, remember the man that got healed? Jesus said, go sin no more, or a worse thing going to come on you. So we know that sin... Remember James 5, what we read the last couple of Wednesdays, James 5, that sin yeah. had opened a door to sickness, and they had to repent. Yes. Dad Hagen talked about that man that had to repent, and then he got healed. So sin which includes different things. Just, just in your mind, think anything that is wrong, yeah, yeah. I better deal with it. Amen, Amen. That's good. If you're tempted to lie, you better deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, right. If you're tempted to look at porn, men, you better deal with it, but it's hard. I didn't ask if it was hard and neither did God. He said, put your foot on the neck of it and crush its windpipe. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Stop being such a wimp and deal with it. Right. You don't know how to deal with it? Read the Bible and pray in the Holy Ghost until you're hoarse. And then you'll have strength to deal with it. You can't deal with it in your mental arena or going to some class that's all so mental. You've got spiritual strength inside you to deal with sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, the Bible says. When you walk in the Spirit, you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or you stop sinning. To just stay in the Spirit and you'll have strength to say no to these temptations. Flirting with other people. You better be careful. Looking at things, lying, stealing, any coveting, any, there's so many things in that category alone of sin. It's a very broad category. So you know what I ask myself? I, I, I just go through, listen, I don't have to go through, Greg, every single sin out there. Because yeah. it would take me hours. But you know what I do? I'm going to help you as your pastor. I know me. Yes. You don't. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I know my vices. Yeah. And don't look at me like you're such a little angel because you've got vices too. I know my weaknesses. I know my buttons. I know the weaknesses that I have based on my history, my past, my personality, the way I'm wired, the, 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 the yieldings I've done to the spirit as well as to the devil, as well as to my flesh over my lifetime. Everybody knows where their vices are. Some people are more easily given to pride. Some people are more easily given to, 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 to lying. Some people are more easily given to jealousy. You know what I'm saying? To, to speaking about people. You know, there's different vices we have. I know mine. I don't have to go through every sin out there, Jenny, because I know the areas I'm weak in. So you know what I do? I have a list of the areas I'm weak in. Did you ever think about making a list of your boo-boos? I have a list of the things that I'm weak in. And if I were you, I would make a list. Because the reason you don't fix it is because you won't admit that you your need help in that area. It takes great humility to write that list. Write a list and number it. Don't put it in bullets because you don't know how many there are. Number it so you can look down and go, oh my God, it's 18. Oh sweet, Jesus help me. And have enough submission and humility, letting the Holy Ghost show you these are your areas of improvement needed for improvement. And don't show your wife that list. None of her beeswax. Jenny, don't see my list. And I don't see hers. And I tell her all the time, your list is longer than mine. And it's not. I'm sure her list is much shorter than mine. But i know my list it's a private list unless you break into my house it's in my safe unless you get my combination and a welding torch you're not going to know my list even a.a allen god dealt with his vices and even on his list which he put in the book the last two or three right greg he said these are private and it's none of your business i'm not printing it in the book and the last spaces are blank because why should we all know the privacy of his life where he's struggling We don't need to know that's between him and God. But what was not private, he put in that list. These are areas that God spoke to him. If you don't change that, the anointing's not going to work right for you. So I know my list. If I were you, I'd make a list. Everybody's got homework. Go make the list of your sins. I'm serious. Because unless you look at that and then start to find a scripture now, put a scripture beside every one of those points. And then start to say now father I'm gonna get in the spirit and I'm gonna meditate in your word and I'm gonna do my mind until all this, I'm gonna start knocking that list down if it's 25 points by the end of this year It's gonna be 18 and then the end of next year it's gonna be down to 15 and then and then I might have a bad year Go back up to 19, but then I'll have a good year. <laughs> no, we always having a good year We're gonna get that list down. We're gonna get that list down down dad Hagen got to the point where his list was zero and he said, I have not sinned not one time in years. Do you understand the power of that statement? He lived so clean and in the spirit and pure and right. He actually did not have to have the blood of Jesus wash him for anything in years. His list came to zero and he lived at zero. But it took him a while to get the list down to zero. Are you with me? But if you won't even be humble enough to even write a list, you'll struggle with it till the day you die. And you know what? It's your own fault. Yeah. It's your own stinking fault because of your stinking pride. Right. It takes humility to write that list. And put it in somewhere where nobody can find it. Don't put it as your screensaver at work. All right? Please. This is not something your boss needs to hear. I struggle with thieving. You don't want your boss to see that. No. Any kind of sin part of this in that original 25 is wrong associations wrong Associations and fellowships wrong friends. That's part of the sin when he says don't hang out with those sinful people you do that That's wrong being in the wrong place going to wrong places doing wrong things. It's all part of that list pride That was one of the items on that 25 list pride President specified pride. It's a massive hindrance to getting healed So that's a sin Speaking evil about people or about things your confession. That's a sin. That was also on that original list dishonesty in financial matters Not being squeaky clean Is another area that opens the door to sickness And hinders your faith from getting healed So I'm just so there were seven things out of the list of 25 that I've listed to you here that really could be all under the category of sin Okay And there's obviously many things that are not on her list, but you just know your areas that you're struggling with. And if I were you, I'd write them down because the first step to overcoming them is admitting them. You know why the Alcoholic Anonymous people, the first thing they say, Hi, I'm Mike, I'm an alcoholic. But what do they say? Now, we don't confess that, but what are they admitting? They're getting them to admit you have a problem. If you can admit it, you can change it. The problem is they don't understand the realm of the spirit. The more you speak that you have that problem, you'll keep having that problem. So the Alcoholics Anonymous, 25 years hi, my name's Mike, I'm an alcoholic. Right? Because that's the world's way of doing it. But the believer, you only say that once. Father, my name's Mike. Yeah, I already know who you are. Okay. Uh, Father, I am, I have sinned in alcoholism. Now forgive me. Now, I'll never call myself an alcoholic again because the blood of Jesus washes it again. Now, I thank you that I'm going to keep it on my list until I get victory. But I'm never going to say that I'm an alcoholic again. What I'm going to say is, thank God I'm free from alcoholism. You see, we handle it differently than they do. But I'm just saying the point is they have to get the person to admit error or they'll never change. You have to admit it and write it down or you won't change. Number two, the plan of God. Again this these are seven main things hindrances to healing the plan of god this is a huge one it's one of the seven that i always see i'm trying to help you because i don't remember all the 25 but i remember these seven i'm constantly checking pastor dan i'm constantly checking my life against these seven i'm i'm it's like a mirror i'm reflecting my life against the mirror of these seven to see is there anything i need to change so if it helps me i figured it might just help you okay so number one i'm always checking am am i dealing with things that are sinful i'm not always perfect but i i'm trying and my list is shrinking every year because the bible says i will not be satisfied in psalms until i eventually awake with his likeness in other words i'm not going to quit until one day i look like jesus and it's a process. It's called paths of righteousness. It's called sanctification. It's called holiness. It's a process of consecration, of getting cleaner every year. But it doesn't happen overnight. So cut yourself some slack. But not so much slack that you're giving yourself justified license to sin. Grace is not there for you to enjoy it. But, but when you sin, there's an advocate with the Father Jesus, the righteous. Amen. So I'm always checking. It's areas in my life. And I know the areas. So I don't have to wonder. I just look at my list you know most of you don't even know your areas because you think you're all that I'm all that I got nothing that's why you don't just make your list and then enjoy watching that list fall but put a verse beside every one of those points and let the word wash your mind on that thing hallelujah the plan of God turning away anything to do with the plan what has God asked you to do if he's asked you to be in the right church that's a big part of the plan Don't pull yourself away from that. If he's asked you to work in this company, not that company, or if he's asked you while you're working to go to school to do something different, or if he's asked you to start a cottage industry while you've got your regular job, that's all part of the plan. If he's asked you to improve yourself with a night school and you're not doing it, you're actually opening a door because that's technically disobedience. The plan of God What he's asked you to do in your present and in your future is hugely critical to your faith working and for you to stay healthy. It's massive. Taking the wrong job because of money will open a door. Buying the wrong house because you want the house, but you're not thinking about the plan. I don't buy houses without thinking about the plan. I don't buy things about thinking. Listen, I don't even buy hobby items without thinking about the plan because I check with myself, is this going to pull me away? The man that Dr. Dufresne that bought the boat that eventually had to cut off his daughter's head he should have been thinking before he bought the speedboat about the plan yeah. and he should have had enough sense to know this I like this too much yeah. it's going to pull me away from the plan maybe it's better that I don't buy it or that I rent it for a while until I renew my mind about the plan yeah. That's That's good. Good. That's yeah. Yeah. A Pastor friend of mine was was a math a protégé, like he was a genius. Actually, a, 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 a Russian guy, a master came from Russia, was playing 20 people all at once, like in the mall. You know, there's 20 boards, and the guy just walks down, walks down, and the other people are on the other going and go, and they're trying with all their brain power, and the guy's playing 20 games at once. He's a Russian master. This pastor friend of mine was the only person that almost beat him. He was shocked. He said, you, you could actually go into the professional chess circuit. You can be paid. A lot more money than they're paying you to be a pastor. To just play chess every day. He loved the game. He was extremely intelligent. He was extremely gifted. And the Holy Ghost, he woke up one morning and the Holy Ghost say, "Uh, you're never playing that again. What? 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 Because you're thinking about checks more than you are your call. And if you don't don't quit this, if you don't put this on the altar of sacrifice, your call's going to be lost. You're going to stand before me, and I don't care about the chess. I care about your call. He's never played chess since. Jerry Savelle loved fine planes. He loved it. It's a passion for him. He looked at me, and he said, God told him, he woke up me up one morning and said, you're never flying again. Why? He said, you let Brother Copeland. He said, don't tell me about what I let Brother Copeland do. You're not Brother Copeland. I'm telling you, you're not flying again. Why? Because it's consuming you. You think more about the plane than you're thinking about the call and the ministry and all these things. And and God had to tweak him because it was out getting out of order. That'll never happen with me in the plane. Don't worry. (laughs) Like, never. (laughs) In fact, it's the opposite. He's saying, you better fly that plane. I told you to fly it. I don't want to fly it. I'm the opposite. That'll never happen with me. It might happen with other areas in my life, but not that. Uh, Check your hobbies. Check everything, your associations, okay. check what you do and where you work, what kind of work you do, where you live. All of that is going to affect the plan. So I tell people, I don't care where you buy a house. Look at Tyrone. Yes, he's more handsome than me. That's not what I'm talking about. Look at Mary, Chris, and Nigel. They're certainly not more handsome than me, but anyway. But these people live in the same neighborhood, quite a far distance from the church. And there's many other people that are in their boat. God led them to buy houses 40, 50 an hour drive from the church. But they checked their spirit. And God said, do it. Because he knew it wouldn't violate the plan. Because the church is part of the plan. There's other people that just do it for financial reasons. And they don't check with the Holy Ghost. And then it's just inevitable. You just watch and watch and watch. And slowly they fall away. So it's not about where you buy the house. It's about checking with the Holy Ghost because he knows what you're going to do long-term. Even if you think you know what you're going to do, he knows what you're actually going to do. So trust him. Everything. you got to weigh it against the plan. Number three is the love walk. Now, I know technically you'd say, well, this is part of the sin category, and it is, but but it's such a huge category, and it deserves its own number. The love walk and everything to do with the love walk... And if you are forgiving people, and you may not like them, <laughs> liking people is not, doesn't matter. I don't like everybody, but I walk in love with everybody. I don't agree with everybody, but I walk in love with everybody. I don't justify the wrong things people do, but I love. I walk in love with them. You, you, I'm serious, this is really important. You know how you can check one way that you know if you're walking in love is if you're, if you're, if every time they come to you, there's a sense of hatred that comes up in your heart, a sense of, I just couldn't, I just feel like punching their face in. Some people say that to me, pastor, I feel like i want to punch their face. I want to, I want to see their teeth break in their mouth. I mean, I mean, people get very angry and, and they're real. And they usually it's justified. Like these people have truly hurt the ones that talk, that's talking to me, the victim. And they just, I mean, when they think about them, they just see their face smashing, their fists smashing in their face. Now, if you're thinking that, you're not, you haven't forgiven them, even if you've said the prayer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like your rosary. Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive him. Lord. But, but, but if you're imagining punching their face in, the, or, or, or giving them arsenic, or going to their funeral. Pastor, I have dreams. Every time I think about them, I'm just looking forward to going to their funeral because they need to die. That's not the love walk. You'd be shocked at what I hear. No, I'm serious. People Uh, go through difficult things. Maybe, Maybe you've never had somebody hurt you that bad that you want to punch their face in, but I have. But I know, listen, I don't like what people have done and I don't justify what they've done, but I know if I'm in love, when I think about their face, what is my first reaction inside? Now listen, are you listening? My reaction does not have to trust them. The love walk has nothing to do with trust. I love everybody in this room, but not everybody in this room I trust. Because time, trust takes time and trust is earned. Love is not earned. Love is given. But trust has to be earned. So when I think of somebody that has greatly hurt me or wounded me or done me wrong or violated or whatever, when I think... If my first thing is I hate them, I know I haven't. I'm not walking in love. My first thought is to hurt them. I'm not walking in love. But if my first thought is, Lord, it's okay, I love them. That doesn't mean I justify what they do, and that doesn't mean I trust them, and it doesn't mean I like them, and it doesn't mean I'm going to be calling them until the rapture, unless He tells me to. Because if I don't, I'm not going to call people that I don't like or trust. I got no. I got no fellowship with them. They're not safe. They violated something that they haven't earned back. They haven't built that bridge of trust. So just because I, but, but I look at when they first comes up, I check my heart. And, and I know if they stood in front of me right now, I would hug them. And I would say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. That has nothing to do with me liking them or trusting them or wanting to be friends with them. I'm not going to be friends with them. I'm not going to trust them. And I don't like them but I'm going to hug them, I'm going to love them, I have forgiven them. And the Bible says, and bless those that have despitefully used you, do good to those. So if I had an opportunity, I would give them an offering, I'd bake them a pie, I'd buy them a meal because that's my doing good to them. And that is truly in my heart toward individuals that have grossly offended me. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get there, but you better work on it because until you're there, you're opening a door. The love walk is massively, massively, massively huge. In fact, Kenneth E. Hagen, if you trust what he said, and he's, I believe, the platinum standard, he said, I spend more time on my love walk than my faith walk. He said, when it comes to healing, the lack of love walk will rob you of healing far more than the lack of faith will. Your faith, the Bible says, faith worketh by love. Won't even work if you don't love. Faith by faith and Patience it won't work if you don't have patience So if you're rushing and you're, you're you're anxious all the time your faith won't work if you're not walking in love Your faith won't work and listen the easiest people to forgive are the ones that aren't very close to you The hardest people to forgive are your wife and husband The hardest people to forgive are the ones close to you like your like the church leadership like your pastor like your kids Like the people you sit beside at work every day like your neighbor those, the people that are close to you, the devil will work on to try to get in under your skin because he knows, strangers, they're gonna do things and they're gonna be gone and it's actually a lot easier. Yeah. Distant people, even if they're not strangers, you know them, they're maybe family members or extended friends, you, they're gonna do things, it's easy because you don't see them. But people you see all the time, see all the time. You gotta work on that, do you understand that? Now this does not apply to animals. I can be an unforgiveness toward Oliver as much as I want. <laughs> And it does not apply. I just want you to know that. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's really important, guys. I'm I'm telling you, I'm always checking. Is there things I'm doing that are wrong? I always check that. It's the plan of God. Am I obeying what he's asking me to do? Where he's asked me to go how busy Hobbies? is anything interfering with that? Where's my love walk? Have I forgiven everybody? Is there anything in my heart? And then I bring up the people that have hurt me the worst Because I'm not worried about the people that have hurt me the least I bring up the people that have stabbed me and twisted the knife and smiled while they're watching me grimace And there are people that have done that even recently (laughs) And I don't talk about it because I'm in love. I Don't need to talk about it because love frees me But I go I bring up those ragamuffins I bring up their faces. Where is my heart toward this person? And I know if I've got a bit more to work on, or if I'm in that sweet spot. Don't mean I like them. Don't mean I trust them. Don't mean I'm ever gonna have a relationship with them again. Unless God tells me to, or unless they and they make it right. Do you understand? I'm not talking about me offending people, I'm talking about people that have offended that have hurt me. If I've offended them, what do we say? You go. But 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 if I've gone and I'm clean and I've got I've got nothing then it's, oh, it's all on them. Yes. Then I don't worry unless they come. I, I, I don't worry about it, but I check my heart. You gotta check your heart. Are you listening to me? It's very important. Love walk is very important. Number four is, are you releasing your faith? I know that sounds so simple, but a lot of people know about healing. They know about the verses, you've even memorized the verses, but if you, are you actually releasing your faith? my wife was believing for some things in her body recently. And, and I just, you know, yeah, honey, I'm believing with you. But, but I'm not really, because I'm swamped. And then, I, and then she said to me a couple of nights ago, she said, yeah, I'm just, I'm still, I still need a breakthrough on this. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't say you're, I'm believing with you. You ain't. I thought, oh, Lord, it's such a little cliche statement. I'm standing with you, brother. I'm standing with you, sister. It'll all come to pass, brother. God is good. Yeah, he is all the time. God is good. God is good all the time. We get into all these cliches. And we don't even remember what we're saying. And the Lord said to me, don't tell me you're standing with her because you're not. And I repented on the spot in my mind. I don't repent in front of her because you'll give her more ammunition against me. (laughs) I I repented in my mind. I said, Lord, you are right and I am wrong. And I said, no, I intentionally... I went and prayed quietly and i said lord i'm releasing my faith amen. i lay hold of this with the hand of faith devil you take your hands off this situation that's different than i'm believing with you yeah. very yeah. i got i got in the devil's face i got in god's face i got in the covenant's face i'm telling you yeah, and immediately that day it started to change immediately because it's one thing i'm believing with you and it's another thing where you release your faith yeah. Are you releasing your faith for your little in small problems, big problems, whatever you're going through in your body? Have you got so used to it that you've accepted it? Because until you release your faith in that direction, assign the power to that need. I've got a small rash on my small toe. It's not a big deal. I'm happy to live till the rapture. But when you finally got enough in your faith pot and you're not so busy, why don't you target, assign the power to that one tiny square inch and deal with it? Because he hung on the tree for that toe. Are you listening? And, you, and he, he wants you healed. Okay, number five is, uh, and this is huge. Oh, but Nobody likes this preaching. Dan, Dan, they're all excited now until they hear number five. Then they're going to turn me off. Treating your body right. Treating your body right. In fact, Pastor Nancy said of all the 25 things, the most important of all of them. She saved it to the last. This was number. That's the last one on her list. But she said the last is the most important of the whole list. You treat your body right. There's a lot of people because of what you eat, because of where you, and listen, I'm preaching to the choir, but because of the way you treat, you don't work out, you don't do certain things health-wise, your diet, I'm telling you, you don't check up on yourself. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. Dad Hagen always said, if, you're, if you don't go to the doctor for a checkup, you've got fear. Yeah. Yes. And yet, I know there's people in this room that I'll say that and they still refuse to go to the doctor. That's not faith to not go to the doctor. If you really are walking in faith that nothing the doctor says is going to bother you. But you should go for a checkup once in a while to see where you're at. Because I don't want something to come upon you suddenly because it was building and building and you're not listening to the Holy Ghost. Yes. And he's trying to prompt you and you won't hear. And then all of a sudden you're in a big problem. Whereas if you just go, if you don't want to go every year like they say, you know, then go once every two years or once every five years. Whatever feels good to you. But there's nothing wrong with going to a doctor and getting him to check you. Yes. If you say, well, I don't, I don't want to hear what he has to say. Why do you feel that way? Because you're afraid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, If you're afraid, just say, Doc. I'm afraid. Whatever, How many things are on your list? 19. Just tell me the first three. I'll come back about the 19. The other 16. I can't handle all that. Just tell me, w- what areas do I need to look at? And you say, well, I think you need to work on this, this, and this. And then it's in. I listen, you just keep that in your file. I need to go and, and process all of this. You don't have to say walk in faith because most doctors don't understand that. But I need to go process all of this. And I'm going to come back. When I come back, we can talk about some other things. But are these the most important things that I need? Time-sensitive things? Yeah. Okay, thank you, doc. Have you ever thought about doing that? You don't have to go and be overwhelmed. But there's nothing wrong with going to a doctor. Don't be anti-medical. Okay, unless the Holy Ghost prompts you and says, don't go to the doctor. He did that with her with a lump in her breast, and he healed her, because it would have had hurt her faith to go, not help her faith, but you, but that was a leading of the spirit, and you better make sure you get those leadings right, or you can die early, that's a serious thing, I'm always prompting people to go to doctors, always, because I'm not going to be held responsible for them going into an early grave, because they thought they had faith, and they didn't, and then they say, well, the faith preacher, no, 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 You always go to the doctor, listen to the Holy Ghost, and the closer you get to God, the more this is going to make sense to you. Are you with me? Treating your body right. Again, what is the temple? The Bible says glorify God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, glorify God in your temple. And so so I look at this for me, and I say, Father, am I treating my body right? You understand? Am I putting the best kind? I'm serious, people. Because some people come up for like these things and it's like the anointing doesn't go into them and then they come up for the same thing year after year after year after year and it's not that they God won't heal them because they won't treat their body right because they keep eating certain things or doing certain things that are displeasing to the Lord and then he's eventually he's not going to heal them because that they're just going to bring it right back on themselves because of their diet listen because of their stress because stress will affect your body because they won't sleep right, because they won't rest enough. Remember Dr. Dufresne got cancer, one of the reasons, because he wouldn't rest. So having a great work ethic is great, but if you won't treat your body right with rest, you're opening a door. If you keep eating things that are not appropriate, you're gonna open a door. If you don't get on the treadmill, you're gonna open a door. And if you don't like the workout, because very few people do, in fact, if you do like to work out, just stay away from the rest of us, because we don't like you. No, I'm kidding come be as close, we need an impartation from you. (laughs) But I know that, that I know the doctor, that uh, Kenneth Copeland, he, you know, you know, he's 83 or whatever it is, and he, he's out there working. I heard him say in the meeting live, he said, I I hate it. I absolutely hate it. There's nothing about that workout that I like. And he said, and I made sure that I said that. I hate this. And he said, one day God spoke to, this is Kenneth Copeland last year. I mean, this is like, the titan, and he's only still getting it now. So just cut yourself some slack because none of you are as far as him, and he's still getting it. So we're all still getting things. But God said to him, if you stop saying you hate it, you won't. So he started saying, Father, now he said it felt like a lie, but he's calling things that be not as though they are. Father, I declare by faith, I love going to the gym. I love, I love, I love it. And he said, it's amazing. It took some few months, but then he actually started Woke up and go, you know what? I kind of feel like going to the gym. He never felt that before. Remember, Philippians 2 says, Lord, do a work in me that I would want, choose, and do things that please you. So God had to do a work in him that he would want it. So I said, well, if it works for Copeland, it can work for me. So I started saying, Lord... I love going to the gym. Now listen, eventually, when that works for me, I'll tell you. <laughs> Remember I said it's a process. It takes some years sometimes. No, 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 no. I've been saying that because I've, I've been going. I've been getting on that blasted treadmill. And who, who knew that just a little incline could make you want to pass out? <laughs> Help us, Jesus. And I, I, I must say, Jenny, it actually works. Because now when I think about my thing, even with the incline on that thing, which I hate doing, but I'm gonna start stop saying that I love the incline. But, but I notice I don't, I don't dread it as much as I used to because I've been saying I love working out. I love eating healthy. I've been saying that. And you know, it actually can change you because I have more of a desire now for salads and for healthier food because I never did before. Go, I could go a month and I'd eat a salad and be the happiest person you've ever met. <laughs> But I've been saying, I love salads, I love vegetables, I love it, my taste buds love it, my body wants healthy food. And I've been saying that, just confessing, but it's amazing, now I get to the restaurant and it's like without even looking at my eyes go to the salad first instead of the cheeseburger. Now I'm still ordering the cheeseburger on top of the salad, but (laughs) just work with me, just work with me. (laughs) Just work with me. (laughs) Yes, and amen. (laughs) very important number six is only seven is and it's an 858 i know the time number six is being led by the spirit the spirit led life remember we talked about this not the mental arena you got when it comes to health oh my you've got to know the leading of the spirit because sometimes he'll prompt you to go certain directions and other times he'll prompt you not to go certain directions and that trumps even your faith it trumps even the covenant it trumps everything The Spirit-led life. Now, He'll lead you into treating your body, right? He'll lead you into your faith. He'll lead you into the love walk. He'll lead you into honoring the plan. He'll lead you into where you need to repent of sin. So, really, number six does touch all the others, but it deserves a category on its own because being led by the Spirit, that is such a skill that if you want health, you got to learn to be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. And that includes, when I say a spirit life, a spirit-led life, that includes your prayer life. Praying in the spirit. That was one of the things on her list of 25. Putting God first in your life. And a prayer life. Praying much in tongues. Uh, Not being so mental about everything, but processing it through the filter of your spirit. Now, the seventh one is the renewed mind. Mind or i include in that statement slash thinking right because a lot of people sound religious when you say renew your mind but really what does renewing of the mind mean it means thinking right. Right, right thinking right can i give you some examples of number seven thinking right and that is for example one of the things she said in her list of 25 is a lack of gratitude not being grateful will open a door it, it will hinder not being grateful will hinder not being generous will hinder the power of God working for you. Uh, One of the things that uh, was in the list of 25 is being organized. I know that sounds so natural, but it's thinking right about your time schedule. Because if you don't live properly, if you're always in chaos, you won't pray the way you should, you won't work out the way you should, you won't spend time with your family, you won't treat your body right. If everything's chaotic all the time, you can't function spiritually. That's why the Bible says that, that, that cleanliness, which means order, yeah. is next to God. God is organized. The universe is not chaotic. Why should your day be chaotic? That's right. God is an ordered God, mm-hmm. right? Everything is, has it, we call, you hear us say the phrase divine order. There is a divine order. In fact, God says that everything, I know in a service he's talking about people don't, don't just let people go wild and be crazy and disrupt the Holy Ghost. But he says, and everything, let everything be done decently and in order, in a service, but why does it have to be limited to a service? Are things in your home yeah. decently and in order? If your home stinks, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've gone into people's homes, congregation members homes. I would never eat there. I don't care how much they paid me. It, they are filthy. Some, I'm not. No, nobody here in this room, nobody right now. I'm talking about back in the day. There were people I'd go in their homes and invite me over as the pastor and my skin would crawl. There is food on the floor, there's cockroaches, there's this, there's that. I think like, are we in a third world country or something? Filthiness, disorder, uh, what do you call hoarding? Yeah. That is not decently and an order in your home life. I'm serious, if you live in pigsty, it's a reflection of what's inside. There's chaos inside you for you to live in, for you to be okay to live in an environment like that. For you to be okay with your car being a pigsty, i'm telling you that's not decently in an order that's not a divine order that's not actually thinking right you should think right i'm not talking about some papers that all you know you know your piles don't touch i said don't touch jennifer i know exactly where everything is and if you touch it i'm going to be lost things can be a little bit like that in a work environment on a desk but my whole life is not chaotic and disorder do you understand So you've got to take it with a grain of salt. But I'm saying God wants us to have an organized life and a spiritual life. And these things are very, very important. Now, being organized, lack of gratitude, that was one of the things on her mind, uh, on her list. Another one was being negligent and lazy. Hearing the word but not doing the word. Just kind of lumping a log. Yeah, yeah, I know. Make a list about the things I need to change. I'll do that when I'm ready. That's laziness. People that jump on it right away. If you're going to start thinking about that before you go to sleep tonight, if you're going to write these things out before you go to sleep tonight and start meditating on it and start doing these things, those are people that are doers of the word, not just hearers only. Negligent, lazy people don't think right. Is it necessarily a sin? Well, laziness technically is a sin. So we could probably put that under category one. But really, what I'm saying is people that are just... That's what I'm trying to say. That is not necessarily a sin to have like... I got enough. every. Everything in your life is a sigh. Uh, I've got to go to church. Uh, i got to go to work. Uh, i got to go work out. Uh, i got to go watch TV. Uh, i got to go to sleep. It's like, is there ever a part of your life that's not, uh? That's laziness. That's, a, that's, a, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a word to that. The slothfulness and that just, that's not you got to learn to think right renew your mind with the word about generosity about laziness about organization about gratitude those are some of the things that were on her list of 25 but listen there's many other things that you need to think right about not just limited to her list everything on her list comes into these seven categories everything so it's easier to remember these categories look into the mirror of the word if there's something not working right in your body or your finances, or your marriage, or whatever. But I'm focusing on your body. Father, is there anything that I'm doing wrong? Father, where in the plan? Am I obeying what you asked me to do? Am I obeying the plan? Lord, am I I forgiven? Am I walking right? Am I intentionally releasing my faith? Am I treating my temple right? Am I being led by the Spirit? Have I prayed about this? Have I waited on God about this? And am I thinking right about this? Am I thinking right about this? Because not going to a doctor is not thinking right. Not tithing is sin, but it's also not thinking right. That'll open a door. (laughs) There's a lot of things, financial improprieties, there's a lot of things that will open a door. Or if it doesn't open the door, it will block the power of God from working. Forget about how it came, it will block the power of God. Let me say this, I didn't get to my bonus point, but we'll talk about that the next time. But let me just say this one thing. Now don't get upset with me for saying this, but I've been thinking about this a lot. You never have one recorded instance in the New Testament of Jesus being sick. You have many recorded incidents of persecution coming against him and God delivering him, but not one case of him being sick. The only time he was ever sick was when he was on the cross with your sickness. And I just, Hold on a second, I'll just follow my thought. So I said, okay, that's the standard. So then I summarized what that meant was Every time that a sickness comes, it's not necessarily just a frontal assault of the devil. It means you've opened the door. Because Jesus never opened the door, and he was never sick. He never opened the door, but he had persecution. But he was never sick. So then, but but that's a little bit of an extreme statement, that if you're sick in any way, it's not just the devil attacking you, it's your fault. So that's what I was summarizing, you open the door. I want doctrine. I want black and white. I want to understand this. So I prayed about it. I said, Lord, is that right? And he said, well, look at Dad Hagan. He said, and you'll get your answer. So I looked at Dad Hagen's life. I listened to what he said, because I listened to him a lot. And Dad Hagen was never sick, extended. But there were many things that came as an attack of the devil against him that he felt the symptoms of. But then because he checked these seven things, mainly number four and number three, and he he released his faith and walked in love, it destroyed the attack that came against him. So then the Lord said, a balanced approach would be this. Sickness that is long-lasting and takes root is always because the person has opened a door. Always, 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 always. But sickness that comes like a dart like an arrow it could be not that you've opened the door just a front, what I call a frontal assault of the devil he didn't get in the back door because you opened it He's just nailing you but those sicknesses should never grab hold of you long term dad Hagen had things hit him but immediately he did these things and it left so if the frontal assault comes but now you don't do these things you technically didn't open the door for the initial attack, but you opened the door for the attack to take root because you didn't release your faith. Do you understand? So I can be hit with sickness. That doesn't mean I've opened the door. But if I'm living in the spirit, that thing can't touch me. The Bible says that he has no, the, power, the devil has no power over me. He has no nothing. He said, I was, he's got nothing in me. Jesus said, the devil's got nothing in me. He can't grip me. I've got no handles for him. There's no open door. So, if sickness hits me, Sandy, and I'm living right, it could hit me as a frontal assault. But as long as I'm doing these things, the power of God will push it off me. But if it comes and it stays long-term and takes root, even if it didn't come because I opened the door, but if I can actually then subsequently open the door for it to stay because I don't do number four. I may be doing all of these things, but when it hits me, if fear comes in, <gasps> I'm not in faith. That thing will, now the fear is actually, it didn't, I had nothing to open the door, it was just hitting me. But i got to keep my shield of faith up. And if shield of faith, it will knock it off. But if when that frontal assault comes, I don't have faith, and it hits me, and the symptom comes, and I start, oh oh, oh my God, oh my God, see that's not faith, that's fear. And actually that is an open door, and then that sickness can take root. But if I stay in faith, and I stay in these seven things, sickness may hit you, you might feel symptoms now and then, that doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. But it should get off you. If it's not are you listening to me, yes. the, so let me put it this way: The initial hit does not mean you've done anything wrong. Yeah. But if it stays, right. it means you have done something wrong. Because Kenneth Hagen had many things that hit him, but none of them stayed. Jesus doesn't record anything hitting him, but that doesn't mean it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, we but we don't know. But we know nothing stayed on Jesus because the Bible would tell us. I don't know if it hit him or not. So that's why when I was making my doctrine, I was basing it, well, if it hits you at all, you've opened the door. Because it doesn't say that Jesus even got hit with sickness, but that's too extreme. Because I look at Dad Hagen's life, and he said many times, he was sinless. But symptoms would come. He'd feel them. Sickness would come a hold of him. But immediately, he would use his faith, walk in the Spirit, and and within hours, it's gone. So just because it came, it wasn't his fault. But if it stayed, it would have been his fault. Do you understand? That's why he said, I've lived sickness free for decades. That doesn't mean he wasn't attacked. It just means it never grabbed hold of him. It never took root because he always checked these seven things constantly. And the number one thing he said was number three. Number three, amen? (laughs) So just because you get a problem doesn't automatically mean you've done something wrong. But if you've got a long-term problem, You better, you better check. You better humble yourself and say, there's no sickness on Jesus. The great men of God we trust live sickness free. If this thing is still on me after a while, I've opened the door somewhere. So let me check. Is it, am I doing something wrong? Is it the plan of God? Is it my love walk? Am I releasing my faith? Am I treating my body right? Am I being led by the spirit? And am I thinking right? I guarantee you, your problem is found somewhere in that seven. The Holy Ghost will show you. Because he loves you. He's not a tyrant. He's a lover. He's your father. He's your brother. He's your best friend. He's your, the, para, the, the, para, the paraclete, not the parakeet. The, para, the, the Greek word paraclete means the one attached to your hip that never leaves you. He's your blood brother. He's beside you. He's in you. He'll never, he will show you where you missed it. Because he wants you well. So don't think that something comes initially, you've done anything wrong. But if it stays, if there's long-term issues, it is always you. It's never God. It's never God. It's never God. It's never his will. Something you're missing. And don't be guilty. We all are like that. Just go through the list. Father, where is it? Holy Spirit, show me. I'm humble enough to make the change. i got no pride left in me. I just want to be healthy. You, you, but what's most important is that I live long healthily and that I'm rich. Fully supplied. Abundantly provided for. So, Lord, help me figure out this healing thing, this health thing, and this money thing, because that's what, I'm, that's what you're most concerned about for me. Help me, Holy Spirit. I don't want to open the door in any area. Does that give you some good balanced teaching here on that? And believe me, you won't get a lot of this teaching in a lot of places, because they don't even know it. Sometimes I talk to ministers that get sick, and just by talking to them, I don't say anything because they haven't asked my counsel, so I don't give it to them. But I just listen to them. I listen to them. I listen to them i am think about one minister. His problem was he wouldn't stop talking about other preachers. I'm talking about a, just a constant judgment, anger. Did you know that preacher? did And I'd say, brother, we really shouldn't talk about that. But then, I, but then he says, I don't know. You know, I can I, I see so many people heal, but I go, there's something wrong with me. And he told me what was wrong with him. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, if he'd stopped talking about my ministers, that thing would not come on him. It's come on him. Why? Uh, number one, sin. Yeah. Evil speaking. Yeah. Now you see, but he's not, he's not submissive and humble enough to go to God and say, God, would you? Yeah. So before you judge God when somebody dies prematurely, just watch your tongue. Come on. Because yeah. there's a lot of reasons why people get sick, and there's a lot of reasons why they die prematurely, and it's got nothing to do with God. It's all to do with them and this list of seven one for every day. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you that the Word of God helps us tonight. Thank you that the teaching of the Word of God helps us, Lord. We want to be balanced. We don't want to be in a ditch. We want to be in the middle of the road, but we want to be strong in faith and we want to be led by the Spirit, and we want to be healthy. So, Lord, thank you for helping us tonight and opening up their hearts in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.